everybody. Welcome to the Community Unlocked podcast. It is Monday morning at 8 a.m. on the West Coast. And here in the Pacific Northwest, it is cold. <laughs> <laughs> I looked outside in the mornings. My dogs, I put them out so that we, we got a new kitten, as some of you have who follow me on LinkedIn know. Um, and I put them out in the morning so that she can kind of have free run of the house. And I looked outside and one of the dogs literally had frost on her nose as she was like, let me <laughs> like, go in the laundry room. You're fine. <laughs> oh my goodness. Yeah. But that's yeah, chilly. Winter is coming friends. It is. I know it's, it's a little bit warmer here now, but it got down into the, like the thirties at night here too. So wake up with like the frost and not prepared for that. I feel like getting the kids in jackets, you know, is like a whole thing. So we got to transition now, to that. You're in the Bay Area. So remind everybody where you are because I'm I'm in Oregon, but I'm in not Portland. So <laughs> remind everybody where you are. So I'm in the Bay Area. I'm north of San Francisco in Sonoma County. So that's that's where I am. You're so in it the gets, nice part of the Bay Area. The nice, <laughs> I mean, I like to think so. There's a lot of nice parts, but, you know, this is this is a nice part to be. That's for sure. Awesome. Well, we were just talking about getting our kids ready for school. And for oh, those shenanigans. shenanigans have been paying attention, uh, my eldest is a decided this year she was going to be a cheerleader. And oh. this was a, a surprise to everybody in our house. Um, but, you know, we are we are supportive. And this morning. OK, firstly, mild rant. This team does not seem to have a set schedule. And so it's always a surprise when they have a game. And so this morning it was like, can you can you do my hair? And I'm like, Mondays, girl, any day but Mondays. Like I get you have no control mm -hmm. over this, but really? <laughs> so oh, no. I was having one of those struggles this morning. But yeah. you were talking about your five-year-old. Yes. Well, before we talk about her, so did you end up doing the hair? Did I did. You do I did. So like... I was on the struggle bus all the way to getting on this morning. So apologies for being a few minutes late, everybody. Oh, no, all good. I feel like I always jump on this call, like partially, if not completely frazzled, because it's just like, you know, if you saw the tornado of chaos <laughs> before this, <laughs> like, what is happening? Anyway, yes. Okay. So you did the hair, similar hair situation, well, slightly different, but hair related situation with my daughter. She's five and she is at the stage where like, you'd think we were torturing her when we try and brush her hair. You know, we've got the like spray detangler situation and it is always a bit of a struggle. And this morning she just comes out in like her hooded jacket and is like, I'm good. I'm good. No problem. We're like, Oh, but Rem, has anyone brushed your hair? She's like, no, but I'm gonna wear my hood all day. I take her hood down and it is just, Oh my God. It is so knotted. Like it looks, completely disheveled like we are not paying attention to her and taking, taking care of our children how and long is her hair it's long it's it's long she's got long hair it's very similar to mine which is like really thin and fine so it gets really tangly and doesn't hide mess well it's like oh no you didn't take a brush to that so anyway so she's out in the world with her hood on her head that she is apparently going to wear all day and uh, I mean, I don't buy that for a second. It's coming off in like two minutes, but <laughs> I hope the judgments come easy, you know, the teacher and volunteer parents. Like, oh, oh, okay. So that's, 
that's the situation at home. All right. Yeah. Okay. But you know, yep. it, was, it was one of those like pick your battle <laughs> moments. It was like, yeah, nobody's got time for this. Worst things, you know, could be going on. So you've got a ratty looking head of hair today. That's, that's just going to be what it is. No, I'm I, not proud of, I'm not proud of, but it, it is so reality. It's, it's you and every other mom of a five-year-old because oh. my 13-year-old when she was five, so she has, she got the thickness of hair from me, but she never got the curls. It was always stick mm. straight, but very thick. And when she was that age, she was the same, like hysterical tears, murder, <laughs> you know, bloody murder screams. And so it was torture for both of us to comb her hair. Oh, it's not fun. And there was one time where it was like, I just could not for several (laughs) days. Like, I let this go over the weekend. And by the time school came around, it had been probably three or four days since I had combed her hair. And I sat down to do it. I gave her a shower. We put all the conditioner in and everything. Mm -hmm. And I sat down to do it. And I was just like, I don't, I don't even know where to start. It, it, it got a name. She started calling it the jellyfish because she could pick it up and like floop it in one. And I was like, just one clump. Yeah. It was like its own. And I was like, it is time to cut your hair. Like she had long, thick hair. And I was like, we cannot maintain this. And so that's when she got like shoulder length, little girl haircut. And I was like, no more. It's not a bad idea. But yeah, so I, I, I laugh and I nod because this all resonates so deeply. And I'm not sure what my daughter does when she's sleeping, but like it goes to, she goes to bed with it looking, you know, decent she wakes up and it is like a lion's mane i i i i don't know anytime i peek on her sleeping like she does she's just you know peacefully looking like sleeping like a little princess then she wakes up and she's got i don't i don't know <laughs> anyway i don't know what happens between me peeking on her before i go to bed and when she wakes up but it is disastrous so maybe we're gonna have to go the route of cutting it or something because i'm convinced it's the combination of the rotation that my kid does while she's sleeping she i think she kicks herself in a circle yeah and she must slobber i think it's the drooling (laughs) (laughs) that helps with the jellyfish that's like (laughs) where the jellyfish comes from oh kids my my now Mm five-year-old we cut that off early on i was like okay well your older sisters are getting a haircut do you want a haircut and she was like yeah i want to cut my hair like sarah and i'm like okay let's do it (laughs) before it becomes a problem (laughs) so you learned Um, that was good yeah yeah she has thinner hair too so it's like all right we're we're gonna keep this under control Anyway, oh, I am good times. super, super excited to bring on our guest today, uh, yes. Valentina Ruffoni. She's going to talk to us about events. And mm-hmm. so I thought, you know, maybe we preempt that a little bit. Uh, you know, we are both married and mm-hmm. we've done our own version of some event planning, both in the workspace and in the personal space. So uh, I thought I would share some of my favorite event planning <laughs> nappers. Yes, let's do it. Um, so I would say I've had quite a few. There's a couple from my wedding that I think are 
interesting at least. Um, I ended up having to fire for my wedding. Okay, firstly, I'm not a bridezilla. I wanted to be super chill, very like, I don't care. It's not important. I just want to have a good time. So we did like a, um, we had our wedding at a museum, but it was, oh, cool. uh, it's a, like a living museum. So they have live animals there and uh, it's the high desert museum here in town. And so we wanted to have kids and we wanted to have activities and stuff because we've got our own kids. Right. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, you know, let's just do barbecue or something like really chill. We'll do a buffet style. We'll, I want to spend money on food and cake. <laughs> like that's, that is what yes. I want at my wedding. <laughs> and so I ended up firing our caterer. <laughs> um, I fired our cake person because our caterer wanted to like randomly tack in a bunch of extra charges. And she was like, oh, this is just industry standard. You know, uh, I, I can't even explain what their reasoning was beyond I told her we're providing all of the linens and all of the utensils and plates and all those things. Like, I don't need that stuff. She's like, yeah. well, we're going to charge you anyway. I'm like, eh. how does that even make sense? What? <laughs> and it's like, they throw a wedding tag on it and all of a sudden they can charge whatever they want. And I was like, no. <laughs> uh, so anyway, that was fun. And then my cake person full on forgot that we had come in and, booked a tasting with her and so we showed up and she was all flustered and like well I don't have you in my book and I'm like we legit watched you write us down in your book what are you talking about and I finally was just like you know what that's fine so we went to the local like cupcake shop and we're like just do cupcakes pick us some fun cupcakes and mm -hmm. we'll just have a whole cupcake spread and it'll be fine so it ended up being great but it was like dang, you got to really pay attention and hold your ground on things that if your intuition is telling you, this is not right. Yeah. You know, listen to those things. But anyway. Well, I'm sorry that, that those stressors came up, especially if you were going for a chill wedding. Um, but I feel like events, there, it's always stressful. Like there's always stressors, which is so unfortunate because events are these fun gatherings and celebratory events that it's unfortunate they're as stressful as they are to plan. So wait, what did you end up doing for the barbecue situation? We ended up finding a caterer who was just getting started mm -hmm. and it was delicious and it was amazing. And they were like, yeah, of course we can do that for exactly the amount of people you need and not charge you extra for things you're not buying. And we aren't fully booked out yet because we're just getting started. So love that. We'll be there. And it was great. And I was able to give her one of her first clients and she was able to deliver and it worked out for everybody. So that's great. When Take all a chance on some of those new people in business too, right? You know, sometimes those are the people who are willing to go the extra mile for you. Totally. I think that's a great piece of advice, you know, because they need someone to believe in them to give them that kind of experience to build out their business. Absolutely. And yeah, well, that's Absolutely. great. Yeah. So what was your wedding like? 
Um, well, similar stressors, but I feel like immediately when you talk about events, and we talked about kids a little bit this morning, kids' birthday parties, Ooh. bane of my existence. I do not, yes. oh my gosh, for a long time we got away with not having to do them, and we are not over-the-top birthday elaborate people, but just even a basic like party in the park, like my daughter, you know, the five-year-old we're talking about with the ratty hair. Um we just were like, let's do easy. We'll go to the park. We'll, you know, put up some balloons. Y'all can run around. Maybe we'll get a pinata. I don't know. Just trying to be very low key. Even that, so stressful. And like, I'm not the best version of myself on these days, which is awful. It's like, we're trying to celebrate my kid. And here I am just like a bundle of nerves and stress. And we get there and there's just like these picnic tables. And there's two that are kind of like the prime ones or they're kind of in the shade. And of course, my husband the night before was like, oh, we should go like put stuff on the tables to like reserve. And I'm like, who are we? Like, no, we're not going to go put things on a table. Like we're claiming. And of course, you you can guess what happened. We got there. Another husband had that same idea and had like put giant like upside down portable tables on top of the two prime picnic tables with like all this stuff. And my husband looks at me like, see, we should, <laughs> you know? And so like now these like two prime in the shade picnic tables are gone and we've got these other two. And I'm like, it's, it's going to be fine, but you can imagine the stress. So anyway, we don't have to go into all the details of that, but my point being like kid birthday parties, no matter how simple you try and make them are just to, for me, so stressful. Like I look forward to my kids' birthdays every year, but I genuinely dread any sort of like accompanying birthday. Same. Oh, (laughs) so, and it's so different. So, I mean, I have a five-year-old and then I have the 13 and the 14-year-old and a party for a five-year-old is so different from a party for a teenager. And my kids know I will only do a party at the house once every like five years now. (laughs) I'm like, it is so exhausting to be the source of entertainment, of food, of all that, like you have to do all the things instead of going to like a trampoline place or something where the entertainment is there and you can just send them away for a few minutes while you get food (laughs) ready or whatever, right? And so, and, and it costs more, which is crazy. Like I can pay to have them go play somewhere else or I can have them come to my house, destroy my house, eat all my food and I have to entertain them and it costs me more money. Like, why are we doing these things? That is a surprising element. Right. And so like there was one year that we did a whole, um, my 13 year old's birthday is the day before mine and it's November 3rd. So we had like a whole Halloween birthday party, like a a costume party. Mm -hmm. And So we did a pinata and everybody came dressed up and we did like a mummy toilet paper wrap thing. And like, it was a whole thing. By the end, I was so exhausted. I was just like, I don't even care. I'm not cleaning. I'm just going to lay down on the couch and just go to sleep. And my husband was just laughing and he's just like, so we're just going to, we're just going to leave this area. Ignore the chaos. Just block it out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. You kind of have to sometimes. Oh man. And then the teenager, you know, my 14-year-old, we had her birthday party at the house this year, and it was a whole different kind of stress. I spent the entire time in the kitchen 
making first we had tacos so I set out like a taco bar for them mm-hmm. and then we bought this like $30 chocolate fountain on Amazon which was like the highlight of the party by the way party hacks for teenagers <laughs> it was awesome it worked great um yeah, I love it it was like a Wilton brand one too so it was a nice one but it was it was surprisingly cheap huh. and so you know I'm like heating up chocolate to go in that thing and so I spent hours in the kitchen d- throughout this whole party, but like the whole time I'm listening to their conversations and stuff. And I'm like, oh, teenagers. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's added stress you don't need. You're just trying right? to not burn the chocolate, <laughs> right? put out the taco bar. All oh. the mom cringe that goes uh-huh. with listening to teenager conversations. Oh, I'm just like, don't, don't say anything. It's fine. I'm invisible. I'm not here. <laughs> So yeah, oh. it's it's rough, but uh, I feel you on the birthday parties, and okay. I have all of birthday season coming up. So, well, yeah, I'm oh my not gosh, religious, well, but pray for me, please. <laughs> yeah, I'm not, I'm not either, but I will. I I understand that is a lot. Well, and happy early birthday to both you Thank and you. your daughter. Yes. Thank um, you. And good luck. <laughs> Thank you. Well, hey, this is a good time to welcome on our guest. Uh, allow me to introduce my friend, I would like to say, and uh, a lovely colleague who is an expert at events and just an amazing community builder, Valentina Ruffoni. Hello, everybody. We are so excited to have you. I'm so excited to be here. And you, you were just talking about weddings and birthday parties and like how you both like... I guess don't like to organize them or be involved. And I'm like, I thrive in these kind of situations. Like it was bringing back all of these kind of memories. I mean, I don't have kids, but I have a dog and he had a first birthday, like no one would ever forget. Um, It's as if I have a child basically. Well, I mean, you do, you do. right? I mean, I fully believe in her babies. Okay. <laughs> I, yes. I think he's more human than he is dog at this point. Um, that's fair. That's fair. Um, he had two parties. He had a party in the park with the dogs, the other uh, the other dogs, his friends, and then we had an adult party, um, <laughs> and it was that. all Paw Patrol themed. Um, everything, even the adults had Paw Patrol themed things. Um, that's amazing. I love I it. I love this. Uh, yeah, I love a theme. Themes are good. They make things easier when there's a theme. Just saying. Yes. Yes. Um, uh, the problem is that my kids, they will pick a theme and then they will find everything that is peripherally related to the theme mm. and be like, I need that because it's sort of related to my theme. And I'm like, <laughs> we are now 10 steps away from the theme. <laughs> like, now we're just buying things because you want them. <laughs> yeah, I guess we're having actual children that can talk back to you and yeah, tell you what they yeah. want rather than a dog um, is a little bit more challenging. Um, but yeah, I, I like can see I can, them. So I'm like, yay, you have a theme going. and I picked it for you. And here's all the things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Bella, you know, give us all uh, a quick intro. Uh, tell us, you know, what you've been working on, what your background is so that everybody has some context for the next, uh, few minutes of our conversation. Yeah. So I have a degree in events management and it's one of those degrees that, not many people I find these days are doing a career in the degree that they took. Um, 
but I am. Um, although it's kind of been a back and forward kind of thing. I tried to get into events like, I don't know, eight years ago, uh, and it was a struggle. Um, so I went onto a cruise ship and decided I was going to organize events on there. I got to travel the world. It was great. And then I came back and then kind of COVID hit. And obviously in-person events and events changed. Uh, we went online and that was, you know, that was difficult, but also quite easy at the same time to transition to and by then I was already in the community space where I was kind of flexing my event management skills and then I guess maybe three four months ago I was like actually I just want to focus on events now I want to go back to what it to to the beginning and really just go direct into there because as we all know in community we are wearing so many hats and event management is a full-time job in itself like I don't think people yes. realize that um and now I've got a number of things going on and I'm like how did I do this and manage communities and all that other stuff I just don't know how I did it so now I'm just focused on event management uh strategy producing I have uh two events coming up so we have the community everywhere summit which is coming up next week with 44 different speakers uh it's a huge huge event Jamie is one of them. Um, and then coming up in December, I'm working with another friend of mine um, on a Modern Investor Summit. And uh, that one's a big event. It's going to have 30,000 people at it online. Oh, wow. So it's uh, it's huge. And it also has an in-person component um, because who doesn't love an in-person event? In, in all honesty, in-person events are my favorite. You just cannot beat the atmosphere that you can create and then and the networking like for example me and jamie met at the community rebellion conference in prague that was the first time we met each other even though we've known each other for ages and the atmosphere and just the coming together in person of people that have known each other for a long time it was just incredible uh so yeah i'm a big in-person event person um, yeah yeah and i think you well, there's so many things there I want to grab onto. So firstly, yes, it was amazing to meet you and several others that I had not had an opportunity to meet. So Valentina is in Spain and mm -hmm. a lot of folks in Europe have not had the opportunity to attend like CMX Summit and several of the other, I would say, primary community events that mm -hmm. people go to. Um, and so it was really, really amazing to get together with folks who uh, I've known for a long time online. but but hadn't had a chance to meet in person. So that was lovely. And uh, we got to sit together. We got to speak together. So it was great. Um, and you mentioned, you know, how great on in-person events are. And I think that is something that during COVID, a lot of these online platforms tried to emulate, but they really missed the mark with what an in-person event brings that you can't get online. They really tried to do like, oh, you can have a comment or like a chat box over here that that spans the whole thing. And it's like, no, you're still, still not really getting mm -hmm. that whole like hallway track thing. And even when I spoke at CMX Summit last year, I didn't attend most of the talks last year. I was outside most of the time, just hanging out and talking with other people at the event. And it's really hard to emulate that online. Do you feel like anybody has come even close to that in online events yet? 
I don't think so. But to be honest, I think that in-person events and virtual events are two completely different types of events. And I just don't think you're ever going to be able to get close to that. Like, the, as you said, networking is a huge, huge part of of events in general. And online, I just feel like that's just impossible to do because you can't be having these small little conversations in groups everywhere because only one person can speak. And in my opinion, that's not networking because you're used to moving around from group to group. I mean, there was one particular platform I can't remember the name of it, but I don't think it's around anymore. It's where you created your own like avatar and there was these tables uh, in like a conference room or whatever. And you could move from table to table. You could see yourself moving. That was kind of close because then the conversation was only happening on that table. Um, you could leave that table and move. But again, you couldn't talk to that person next to you without everybody else having to listen. Yeah. And you don't always want everyone to listen to what you're saying. You want to yeah, have those yeah. little conversations. Exactly. So, and you can't like yeah. choose to sort of semi tune into other mm -hmm. conversations around you and pick up yeah. on interesting things and go, Oh yeah. Hey person over there, you said that thing. Right. So that's a really interesting point about why that works in person, but it doesn't work online. I also think that, online we are so used to multitasking in our daily daily lives right especially on the computer so we're never fully present when attending an online event because we are so used to having multiple tabs open we may be listening but are we really listening whereas in person i mean i know you people do get out their laptops and their phones but in general you sit there and you listen or participate in whatever's going on you're not distracted and I feel like that's that's the reason why in uh, online events uh, don't really work because you you can do whatever you want while it's happening. You can even turn your camera off and I don't know walk the dog or go to the gym. Like you, you're not fully present, which means people are not getting the value out of that event because they're not hundred percent focused on it. And it's a shame because a lot of the content is great, but that's one of the downsides of online events. Do you feel like we suffer from that same issue when we do a lot of one-to-many, even in-person, like keynote-style talks where people are just sitting there listening to somebody drone on and there's not really engagement? I mean, do you feel like we're missing, we're losing out on something by having a lot of those types of? Um, I mean, I think it depends on the speaker and how good they are at speaking because this there is there are some people who are very engaging with their body language the way they move across the stage whether they have slides on the screen or if they actively get people involved if you're just standing there and literally um giving i guess a ted talk because you don't really get people involved with that i'm not saying ted talks are bad i'm just like that kind <laughs> of just talking um and obviously the topic, it depends on the topic as well. But if you are if you are not getting the audience to engage with you or do something, it can be hard as an attendee to sit there and listen. Um, that's why I like to move around the stage when I'm talking. I don't actually like using slides. I did use slides at the Community Rebellion Conference, but I don't like using slides because I want people focused on me rather than the screen. 
um, getting people to stand up, asking them to do an activity with each other. I remember Yuri actually did a in-person water cooler at the community rebellion where we turned to the person next to us just for five minutes and started talking. That can help engage. But in general, if people are just standing there and giving a talk, it's debatable whether that is the right approach anymore. Um, but some people like that kind of style. And I think that's why you need to have a varied um, a varied type of agenda with different kinds of talks, workshops, presentations to cater to everybody. Um, I, just, I don't think any particular format is, is the right format, if I'm honest. So it sounds like you're doing work on both the community and the marketing side. And that was one of the things that I wanted us to talk about is mm -hmm. I actually have a, a horror story there as well, which I've shared before. And that is uh, one of my previous roles. I had a, a marketing manager who was primarily responsible for events. And I found out down the road that apparently she was afraid I was trying to take her job, even though part of my role was to own the developer track within our corporate events, right? Mm -hmm. So I had to work with her team to develop the content and the activities during the event that was targeted towards developers. I'm like, girl, I do not want to run the full corporate marketing event. That is not my jam. But there is that tension sometimes between marketing and community in terms of ownership. And have you found that that has changed much over your time working on events that um, you know, communities starting to own more of those events or that marketing still primarily owns them or kind of what's, what's the feeling out there right now in terms of how corporate events are being run? Mm. Um, that's a very good question. And I think it really comes down to how big the organization is and how many people are in the marketing team versus the community team. Um, because I've only really worked in small uh, community teams which from what I can see are getting smaller um, or becoming part of the marketing team um, I think it also depends on what the purpose of the event is because um, that can really sway who kind of gets more leverage in the event um, I've done events where they've just been community focused and marketing haven't been involved in those whatsoever but then when we do an event that that is geared towards that then then they come in um, I do feel, though, that a lot of people who potentially work in marketing have maybe been in their roles for quite a long time, um, and they've tried a lot of different things uh, with events, so they kind of copy-paste what they've maybe done somewhere else, whereas in community, we tend to approach events very differently because every event is different. And you need to approach it in a different way. Um, and a lot of the time, the marketing teams don't want to do the different thing. They're just like, oh, yeah, but we've done this before. We should do it this way. And it's like, uh, yeah, but I'm not sure that's really going to work for the community. So there, there is a lot of uh, tension, as you say. So I think it's difficult. I, I think it really depends who you have in the community team, your manager or, or advocates for the community that can go over to marketing and say, you know what? We're taking on board this feedback, but we want to go this route. Um, and I think that can be quite difficult 
when you have a lot of people who are quite new to community and have been put in the roles and they haven't got so much experience in events, but they they love organizing events, but you've got others over this side who have been doing it for years who say, no, it, it, it works like this. Um, so, yeah, that's a very long-winded answer to your question. I don't even know if that is an, if that is even an answer. Um, no, it's, it's a good answer, and I think you're right. I think it does depend, um, but it also is a good transition to the the other thing I was thinking about, which is community people, and you mentioned this early on, community people are expected to cover so many different aspects of the work stream, right, involving the community, and that requires a whole broad different set of skills. And I've watched a lot of people struggle with the fact that they really do truly have to be what is being called a generalist lately. Um, but what are the skills? Uh, firstly, I find it really interesting that you actually have a degree in event management. I think that's really cool. Um, in my undergrad at SDSU at San Diego State, we had a, a hospitality management program, which I also thought was really neat. Um, what are the skills that you think that somebody who is either already a community manager but isn't doing a lot of event management yet or somebody who is now being pushed into event management or being asked to do more events, what are the skills that they should be focusing on strengthening or learning to be very successful, effective event, man event managers? Mm. So the first thing that comes to mind is is organization. And al although... In community building, you have to be super organized anyway because we're doing a lot of things, but even more so in event management because there's so many moving parts to one small event that could take, you know, 10, 15 minutes. I mean, for example, this podcast interview that's happening now, like there, I imagine there are so many things that you guys have to sort out just to make this happen. Um, so organization is is key. Um Something that's not always applicable to to everyone, but we often find ourselves doing this, is being able to host an event. Uh, I feel like it's kind of expected as a community person to not only organise the event, but also introduce the speaker or welcome people in. And a lot of people aren't that confident or extroverted to be able to, one, come on camera um, and to, you know, feel comfortable in, you know, talking to however many people, whether it's online or in person. So really looking at elevating your hosting skills um, so that you can be the person that welcomes people in. Otherwise, you need to find somebody else to do it, um, which can can add another thing to your list, which, you know, we try and make our lists as short as possible. But for my event management uh, to-do list, it's like pages just for one event. Um, so, yeah, organization, um, hosting skills. And then I think the third one is all about um, contacts and knowing who to reach out to for certain things. For example, you need speakers for your event. Who do you go to to get speakers? Maybe you want to use an um, an online platform that's not Zoom, for example. What do you use? Or in, if you're doing an in-person event, you've got to think about the venue, catering, entertainment. I mean, there's so many different things that are really hard to lock down 
if you don't have any recommendations or somebody that you know does X, Y, and Z that you can go, hey, are you available? Um, goes back to your your point when you made about getting married and all the different uh, vendors you were using really helps to know people or know people who know people um, because the research just to find the right people can take so long um, when you haven't and got much time. Track of all that so you can go back to it again later. And not yeah, yeah. I can't tell you how many people I've spoken to, emails being sent back and forth to find if this person's available, can you do this? No, okay, you're locked in. Like, seriously, like the, the event manager role, I feel like is more email sending than it is actually event management. Um, but <laughs> that's, that's so, your job, is to make an amazing I mean, And a lot of that really is coordinating people, right? Yeah. So, I mean, how much of... How do you work with stakeholders? How do you get stakeholders to get on board with your plan? Do you start by setting like a kickoff meeting or or how do you get, how do you rally the troops around what you're trying to do? What is your strategy there? Yeah, so I feel like it depends on where you're at in this event planning process. Because um, I sometimes come in when the event concept has kind of been created compared to, I have this idea for an event. So I think it depends where you come in. If you're coming in with, if someone's come to you and like, we want to do an event about this, come up with a plan, then I would put a plan together, um, whether it be a Notion page, a slide deck, whatever you like to work with, then I would start, um, I would send it to them in advance and then we do a kickoff call to then discuss it so they've read it in advance. If I'm coming in after an event has kind of already been conceptualized, then it's a case of, it's a kickoff call, but it's like, okay, what are you trying to do? Why are you doing this? What do you need me to do? Um, so I think it really depends where you, where you kind of fall. Um, and then once you're all on the same page, then you move forward with, okay, what's priority for us to, to get down in the next week? Um, again, it depends when you've come in and when the event is going to happen because a lot of the times um, events are being planned way too close to when they want the event and sometimes it's really quite difficult to execute it in only a few weeks. I would say if you're planning an event, you should be planning this three months out at least um, depending on on the event, in-person events, even longer. Um because there's just so much to think about that you can't do in such a short space of time. Um, so yeah, those are my two approaches to, to stakeholders. Yeah, that's <clears throat> Go ahead, Laura. Sorry, Sorry. morning voice. Uh, <laughs> hi, Valentina, nice, hi. To, nice to meet you. Uh, this has all been fascinating for me to listen to, so thank you for sharing. I was curious, you know, you obviously have a wealth of knowledge and years and years of experience and education in this. And you mentioned a lot of individuals, especially in community, being elevated into having to plan these events. So are there good resources out there for people to seek out to help them? That's like, here's the checklist of these are the things you should be considering, whereas you instinctively and over time have learned that? Or how does someone learn this role when maybe their organization isn't 
necessarily supporting them to do that or they have limited resources like where should they, they don't start have a degree in event management or they don't have a degree yeah <laughs> like where where do people start especially those you know as you mentioned kind of teams are getting smaller or mm -hmm. responsibilities are expanding like where should someone start to try and wrap their arms around this yeah so i have found really good um linkedin courses um, the LinkedIn learning, you do have to pay for the, I think it's premium LinkedIn, but you do get it free for a month, which is what I did. Um, and there's some very good courses on there that are events related, hosting ones, how to rock a conference. Um, and that they're, they're actually quite short courses and very, have very good content in them. So I would recommend maybe checking those out. Um, another thing that I, I think really works, and this applies to community building as well, is Go to events that are either in the same topic as or as the events you might be hosting or the same kind of format and just see what they do. Make notes of things that you like, like, oh, I like the way that they brought in a mindful stretching during the break. Or I like that they had networking tables um, and make a note of all the things that you liked at that event. So you could try and do that at, at your events. Um, something that I have done over the years is host my own events that are not work-related events, um, just to practice. Uh, that could be dinner parties, that could be birthdays, that could be anything, but practicing away from, I guess, the work setting can help you become more confident, uh, especially if you're around friends and family, um, or people that you don't necessarily know, um, that maybe would judge you or have an opinion about what you're doing because when you're starting out you don't really know what you're doing um so you just want to try things out if it doesn't work you're like well i don't really know these people so okay um those are the my three kind of go-to things that i would start off with i mean i am trying to share more content about events planning in the midst of event planning myself um so you can always check me out on linkedin um, I don't, I don't share a lot of content all the time, but there's, there's also a lot of, um, great event people, uh, on LinkedIn that are sharing content that I share quite often. There's a podcast that I'm really into right now called the better events podcast. Um, they are actually, they're actually do good doing a conference on the 20th of December. It's an online conference, which is all events related um they haven't released the agenda yet or anything like that but their podcast episodes are really good um there's two um event strategists that host that and they have uh guest speak but they share some really good content in their podcast so i'm sure that their uh their uh conference is going to be good i mean i'm sure there is a lot more training out there i haven't been able to find it yet but um Connecting with event people on LinkedIn is always great. I mean, I did that when I was first studying community and I built a huge um, network of people that I can lean on to ask them for advice. Um, and I definitely wouldn't be where I am today without my my virtual network all over the world. So, um, yeah, definitely connect with people and see what they're sharing, see what they're doing and just asking questions and asking for advice when you can. Um yeah, and if you need anything, you can ask me. I'm open and on LinkedIn quite often. Feel free to send me a message. Um, but, yeah, that's a lot of things that you could do. wouldn't advise doing all of those. Um, <laughs> but, yeah. 
No, but I, I appreciate you sharing. I mean, I think a lot of what you indicate is you kind of just have to start, right? And you said, you know, you don't know what you're doing. That's like, that applies to everyone, right? Anytime you do something new, mm-hmm. you don't know what you're doing. And I think just hearing from someone as as much of an expert as yourself, just saying you have to kind of just do, right? There isn't, there isn't a course, there isn't this magic wand. You have to be comfortable being uncomfortable a little bit. Mm-hmm. You have to ask questions, you have to put yourself out there and you just kind of have to do it. And it's not always going to go well. <laughs> and, yeah. some, and that's sometimes how you learn. So exactly. I think that was all really helpful. Thank you. It's exactly like building a community. Like we are try, tr- trying and testing things mm-hmm. all the time to see if it works. We don't know if it's going to work. And one like quote that I kind of share quite often is we're building our community um, with our members, not for our members. And when you're putting together events, even though you're putting together events for your attendees, you should also be doing it with them. And that can help bring down that stress of event management because a lot of the time it is only one person managing the event. So if you can get more than one person to help you, whether that's delegating tasks, getting volunteers, that can really help if you are starting out at organizing events, having other people's um ideas to help you build it because we all know doing something on our own is hard to it's hard to manage and you often get maybe stuck um so yeah leverage other people that are around you to make sure you're organizing the best event possible absolutely i think that's great advice and i think that would also probably boost engagement too right if you have other people from the community who have participated in the process they're going to be more engaged with the Mm -hmm. future event they'll let their network know like they'll be more passionate about it and i would think that would would drive some engagement you know I, i often use the language like bring everyone along for the journey right and that's to me kind of what it sounds like like you're bringing the community along with you because you're doing this for them and with them, right? Mm -hmm. So um, I think that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, definitely. Well, I love that. Those are amazing tips. Um, It sounds like we need to put together a uh, how to build a community event checklist with you, Valentina, and publish that (laughs) one out for the audience here. Um, Well, this has been amazing. One thing I do want to say is that you are great at speaker communications. So as you mentioned, I am speaking at the upcoming Community Everywhere conference, but I will say that was something that stood out also about the, the Community Rebellion conference in Prague was that they were so good about being on top of communicating with us and keeping us in the loop and just providing an overall really good speaker experience. And so I think that's something that you're really good at as well. And it really elevates the experience for us as speakers, but also turns us into advocates so that we want to go out and we're really excited to go out and talk about the event and and evangelize the event to others. So I think that's something that event planners should really prioritize as part of their overall planning is how do I make sure that these people that I have managed to convince to give me their time and their work to become more invested on their own in the Mm -hmm. success of this event. So I just want to give you a shout out on that point as well. So thank you. Thank you so, so much for joining us today. This has been so educational and uh, I hope the folks who are listening have gained some uh, new knowledge as well. 
and self-promo time. So what types of events are you looking to take on and work on now? Oh, you know what? I would love to do more in-person events. Uh, I know that that's difficult because they're happening all over the world, but I'm willing to travel. Um, <laughs> who isn't? Um, but in general, just um, any type of events where you're really looking to create an experience for your attendees rather than just an event. Um, so if you're listening to me now and you're like, what is an experience? Um, an experience is where you are thinking of all of the small details so that when people leave that event, they think it's the best event ever. That's what I like to get involved in. So I'm thinking, I'm not just thinking about content, I'm thinking about the senses like smell, taste, um, and making sure that we hit all of those. So if you're looking to um, create an event that hits all of those, then I'm your girl. Um, I would also love to organize a wedding. Um, I know that I might regret saying this, but um, you know, anyone looking for a first time wedding planner, I am here. Um, <laughs> I did organize my own wedding, so you know, um, that counts for sure. Yeah, counts. yeah, it's no, not sure a first -time counts. wedding planner. <laughs> um, so, yeah. Why not put that out there? Um, but in general, like I'm, I'm open to all all types of events. Um, but in person is is my ultimate jam. So that sounds amazing. And I just kind of want to get your travel agenda, and I'll just follow you around to the different events you plan, and just be like, I have done all of the experiences now, and I have smelled and tasted and touched all the things. <laughs> calendar for people to follow me around like <laughs> me out of this event um, we need to get you in front of all the celebrities and the like high budget uh ceos and stuff who want to put out these these yes big beautiful events and yeah we're gonna make it happen i love it i'm opening my calendar for the next three years Okay. Okay. Noted. <laughs> all right. Well, if you all out there in internet land are looking for an event planner, uh, event strategist, producer, and just an all around amazing human, reach out to Valentina. And if you are looking for, oh gosh, we're doing all the things now, learning, consulting, uh, community projects, uh, onboarding and implementations and professional services and coaching, executive coaching. We do all the things now. Um, feel free to reach out to me at jamie at chaoticgoodconsulting.com. And yeah, that wraps us up for today. But join us at the same time, same place next week. And we will be talking to Joshua Slesnick about the intersection of playing games and community and josh is a professional DD &D dungeon master and i am super excited for this episode and uh we'll look forward to seeing you then thank you again so much valentina for joining us thank you to my co-host laura holmes and i am jamie langscope and this is community unlocked we'll see you next week bye thank you bye